Welcome to our community. This is Saratova Best. We are learning about the Rashi Tevet, about the year that we just started, Tavshin Pei Aleph. And according to this Sicha of um, Shabbos Parshas Vayigash, Hey Tevet, Tavshin and Aleph, 1991. So we have a footnote that speaks about what Pei Aleph is. Klaus Erenu, the concept, since every year has a um, Rashi Tevet, every year has letters that you can understand them and they imply certain things. So here we are learning about, as Lubavitcher Rebbe brings out in footnote 94, that the, the concept of Tafshin Pei Aleph, Pei Aleph is Tla'as Eren, meaning we will see great wonders. Not just wonders, Tla'as, there in that year, when the Rebbe spoke about it, that was Tafshin Nun Aleph, and he termed that year Niflaos Er Enu Tafshin Nun Aleph Tiyeshmas Niflaos Er Enu, and this is the year Tiyeshmas Plaos Er Enu. Now, what the difference is between Niflaos and Plaos? I well, Plaos is a much higher level, so I'm not sure. Uh, we probably have to learn in a bunch of Kabbalistic places. But the idea of a pele, we're going to see a pele is something that is so wondrous. A nifla, a pe- niflaos, they both have the same niflaos and plaos. Niflaos are, you could say, um, they both have the same root pele. And a pele is this very, very high energy. Galena, as it says in Tilim, galena vadita niflaos mitarasaka, uncover your, my eyes. And I will gaze at the wonders of your Tyra. So a Pella in Tyra is a level that's extremely high and not always visible. You really have to have the vessel to be able to um, see it in a way. Because it's coming from such a high place. If you're not on that frequency, it will just pass you right by. So when the word Pella is then, has a nun added to it, so it's called a nifla, niflaos, a nun usually implies more of a passive thing. Um, and then without the nun, niflaos is then take off the nun. That means niflaos, you know, sort of it's being done to us, I guess. And then take off the nun, plaos. What would be the difference? We're not sure we're going to explore it. But um, we want to see where this is coming from. This is, And we're going to do a whole bunch of, what, as, as the Rebbe is bringing out the word af. Af, if you turn it around, it's pay aleph. Af is aleph pay. Turn it around, it's pay aleph. So we're in the year of Tavshin pay aleph. So it is, we're talking about a pella, a, a, a level that really comes from, of light that comes from the darkness. There's a lot to say, maybe we'll say a different time, adding the Aleph to, to Gaila and you have Geula. Let's just say that within the context of changing our perspective on life, when we're in a Gullus, we're in a Gaila, if we add the Aleph to the Gaila, we have Geula. 
the most basic Aleph would be recognizing that there's a God who runs the world. That's for the nations of the world, as it was when we came out of Egypt. A more elevated level would be, is, Aleph Chachachma, Aleph Chabina, that's the Aleph. The idea of learning and teaching, learning through in the way of Chachma and Bina, learning about this creator of the world. Not just knowing there's a God who runs the world. Getting to know him. Not just awareness. Oh, there's a God who runs the world. What do you know about him? Nothing. I just know he runs the world. That's basic. <laughs> that's, that's if you're at the starter level. Once you've gone beyond that, talking about the Jewish people who kind of knew this forever, then you, then, okay, well, let's get to know him more. Not just, oh, this is the boss, he's the boss. Great, nothing. I don't know anything about it. Let's get to know the boss. Through learning Tyler. And then let's get to know him in such a deep way that you have to be on his frequency to understand that in a, his deep secret, to be able to ex- really experience his very essence, this which is normally concealed, this part of him that normally you can't see, the tele part of him, it's the juiciest, most unbelievable part of him, maybe even connected to that part of him that we arouse on Rosh Hashanah when we blow the shaker, that place in him, which is a place of tainug, of delight, delight tainug to become, to be the king of the world and create the world again. Maybe this is all connected, maybe not. That very, very deep level in God, in Hashem, the Pele, we now can experience that know him deeply and intimately and vice versa. And so and so that's the year we're in and wondrous, wondrous things become possible. So we want to understand where these wondrous things that become possible are coming from. Because in Chasidus it's called Yitrana Armina Chayshach, the advantage of light that comes from darkness. So what is this darkness? that we're that we're talking about. And all of this is in a context that maybe we'll talk about tomorrow of um since it's Parsha Zayigash. A co- the story background for all of this is we as the Jewish people, imagine the story, we're on our way down to Egypt. The te- the twelve tribes. And as we get there, we meet the ruler of the of the civilized world or his representative. We don't know it's our brother. It's Paro's representative, Paro's henchman, this ruler. And this ruler takes away our brother, Binyamin. And we know that we cannot go back home. We came down to Egypt because there was no food. It was the only place where there was food. And therefore, we came with money, as everybody else did, to buy food in Egypt in the shrine and go back home to our father, Yaakov Adini. And the ruler takes away our brother. Does a whole fake thing, puts a silver cup in our brother Binyamin's sack, has it put there so that he will be detained, won't let him go. And there we are in a scene where Yehuda 
the representative, the, the brother, the, the one who is the, the, the forefather of Mashiach, he is standing, he is the Jew par excellence, he is at that moment the representative of the Jew throughout all of history, and the representative of Mashiach Dikenu. So representing the Jew as the Jew is his best and most powerful sense when the spark of Mashiach in you is dominant and you're operating from that place. And there is Yehuda representing you, standing there, facing the ruler of the civilized world. That's the scenario. And how they interact has everything to do with everything. And why is this important now? Because we've entered Tashim Pei Aleph, and obviously the most important thing really for the whole world at this point is, what's going to be with the elections in November in the United, in America? This isn't just a local thing. <laughs> I was speaking to somebody the other night, and she said, well, I hope that there will be, I said, there are going to be big miracles this year, and she said, well, I hope there will be personal miracles as well. I said, well, please God, for sure. She said, you know, because it's pretty scary, like who's going to win, who's going to win the elections. I said, that's not a personal miracle. You're talking about personal miracle would be how fast it, you get to clean up your kitchen and, you know, whether, you know, whatever, whether someone gets into the right school or not and succeeds. It's a personal miracle. What do you mean who wins the election? That's not a personal thing. That's a very, that's global. How the elections come out. That's global. That's historical. It's forever. It affects all of history, past, present, and future. Not just who wins the election. It's how the whole thing will go this year. It's not even, not even an issue who. That's not, but how the whole year will go. Because the whole year is here for Mashiach to, to come. Mashiach to be revealed. And that's the showdown that's happening in this story that we're centered around Yehuda, the forefather of Mashiach, facing the ruler, interacting with the ruler of the civilized world. And he, and he acts in a certain way, and we'll hopefully go into it tomorrow. And based on how he acts, he sets the stage for how Mashiach himself and how the, the Jew will interact in the, at, when we come to the days just before Mashiach, how he, how he is there to interact with with the ruler of the non-Jewish world. With Esau himself. In this case, with, with, in our case, with Esau himself. Because Esau goes through a whole transformation. Esau and Yaakov, we're talking about ya- essentially, Yaakov Avinu is facing his brother Esau. And when Yaakov and Esau, the twins, were once were first born, it became a principle that Esau was going to hate Yaakov and we always thought that Esau was going to hate Yaakov forever. But it's not true. It says in Torah that Esau will hate Yaakov for a certain amount of time. And then Esau will become Mashiach. So this story that we're in the middle of with Yehuda, Mashiach, facing Yehuda, the Jew, Yaakov Avinu's son, Yaakov Avinu's representative, facing the ruler of the civilized world, this is key. 
And within this scenario, now we have the seeds for the year to come. So we more or less can have a sense of what's in store, which, please God, will be good things. So with that in mind, and by the way, of course, we know that what happened is that as Yehuda, Yaakov's representative, faced the ruler of the of the civilized world, and he faced him in a way of he was respectful, but he didn't back down. He demanded what he had to demand. He didn't back down. He understood. He stood up to his full power. He he spoke respectfully. He said, "Be adoni, please, my 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 lord. You know, I'm your servant." And yet, at the same time, he stood with a power, and he stood in his full power. <clears throat> Because at the end of, when it comes to the end of days, the Jewish people stand in their full power and are supposed to stand in their full power. The days of, let us just be, live our quiet lives, to be just left alone quietly. All we want is to just be left alone, to just do our service of Hashem. That's not what we're here for. We are not at the point in history where we're supposed, where Torah tells us, just ask for peace so you can be quietly living by yourself. You're supposed to be the leader. You're supposed to have leadership in the world. You're supposed to be influencing the, the the major leadership of the world. You're not supposed to take a back seat. You're not supposed to be a quiet person anymore. You're supposed to have a major leadership role in a very clever and a very, very wise, extremely wise way. The wisdom that you have through Tyra, the entire world is thirsting for. And ultimately, you'll be the teacher of the world, will be the teachers of the world. We have been all through history, but there was resistance. And the change in Yemaisa Mashiach is the resistance is over. The non-Jews come to us and say, please teach us. You have Torah wisdom. We also want to have Torah wisdom. So please teach us. So, <clears throat> so, um, this is, this is, this is the scene where we, I'm sorry, and in the midst of this, um, Yehuda realizes that he's actually not facing an enemy, the ruler of the civilized world. It turns out that this supposed enemy, ruler of the civilized world, is his brother, is on his side. He's not against him, he's for him, it's his brother. So that's what, what's going to be. At the, as we go into Yemais and Mashiach, we'll realize that all of our enemies will turn into our allies. That's what they were actually created to be. They just wore a facade. They played a play. They, they played a charade for a few thousand years of we hate you, we don't want, we don't let you learn Torah, do mitzvahs, all of that. But when they finish with that, then they go back to their original mandate and become our allies. And therefore, that in this story, Yehuda, Yaakov's son, faces his enemy, who in a moment sends everybody out of the room and turns into his ally and says, I am your brother. I want to help you. And in the past 30 years since this, since 1991, there have been hundreds and thousands of stories of this this kind of thing happening with the KGB and all of this. KGB turning into our biggest allies. 
etc. Over and over and over again. So that's where we're up to. The darkness turns to light. Because embedded in the darkness was the light. Okay. So let's look into a little bit the word af. The word af is going to be turned around to pay olive. And that's where it's all sitting. Um, So when we're discussing the concept of af, which we're going to see is a, a separation, means, you know, you stop before you go to the next level, and there's an infinite space between where I am now and, and the next level. So how do I bridge that, in, that or the very, very large, I don't know if it's infinite, but a very large space, and I can't bridge it. So it's explained by a muscle that a man was once, given uh, this ladder to climb. But I think there were 20, there were 20 rungs on the ladder and they were these giant, giant rungs. And it took all his strength to get from the ground to the first rung because it was so high up. Whatever, I don't understand the mushroom, this is the way it went. And he hardly had any strength left because it was so difficult. But and then to get from the first to the second, Again, whatever remaining strength he had. And then the second to the third, he was just working, 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 working to get there. Whatever contortions he had to go through that just totally exhausted him to get to the third. And somehow he just managed to get to the fourth. He had to get to the 20th. Managed to get to the fourth, and it used up all his strength, and he fainted. And he fainted. This was the muscle that I went through and he fainted because he just had used up all of his strength and he just kind of blacked out. And when he opened his eyes, he was on the top level. He was on the 20th rung. What was he doing there? It was impossible to get there by himself. He was barely able to do the first four. What he needed to do was make the effort with everything that he had to get to the first four or first however excuse me, however many he could do. And then he was taken there once he, and then he earned the, you know, the trip up. He took the, the, the simple elevator and the the other elevator was exclusive. You know, it's not, it's not for the general public. And you have to have a key to the other elevator and he didn't have a key to the other elevator, but he earned that key to the other elevator with his effort. And somehow, you know, he blanked out he blacked out, and he doesn't really know how he got to the top, but he ended up on the top. And this makes us think of, you know, all the famous Mashallah that everybody knows, you know, um, person who climbs and climbs and climbs the mountain. The Balchuva always, you know, it's a Balchuva story. The person who climbs and climbs the mountain, he works and works and works and works so hard. And when he gets to the top, he wonders, you know, it was so difficult to get there. There's a little child sitting there, and he asks the little child, how did, how did you get here? I mean, I've been training for years to have the strength to get here. How did you get here? And he said, oh, I was born here. So there's a level, this thing, there, there's a very high level when we're talking about the level of Pella, plus Erenu, Kavshin Pei Aleph. We're probably talking about accessing a level of miracles that's way above something that we could normally perceive. We don't have the eyes to see it. And so we're probably 
going to be asked to do our utmost effort here in this world, in our own way, and then the rest is a free gift. It's really not free because you earned it. But the rest of the trip, you know, it earns you the the level, it earns you the ticket to the level of Pella that's an infinite space away. It's an infinite distance away, probably. And so you really couldn't get there by yourself. You do your part, and then somehow it earns you the ticket to the exclusive elevator, which you you can't buy in anything. You can't get this this exclusive key to this exclusive elevator, and somehow then it takes you to the top. And that is maybe connected to the concept of of Aleph, of that level where the it's a distance that we can't stand by ourselves. It's a level that we can't get to. Okay, so why are we saying this? Because the concept of af, we're going to be learning about all the af. Um, as it says, Hashem. I create, Hashem says, um, it's in the Pusik in 55, in Yeshaya, um, I, I created the world of Bria, I created the world of Bria, I created the world of Yetzirah, and I even created the world of Asiya, the Af, the Af Asisis, and I even created Asiya. What does the Af mean? That means Bria and Yetzirah, they kind of go together. They sort of belong together. When you come to the world of Asiya, which is the lowest world, which is our world, it's, it's probably, I don't know if infinite, but very, lo- very far away, completely not in the same category as the two before that. So the word af shows there's an interruption. There's that space which you can't really span it yourself. You can't really cross that river yourself. It's a completely different frequency. It's down here. It's the lowest world. It's a world where you don't see godliness openly. The other two worlds you do, and you don't hear. It's a very, very different world that we're into, that we're in down here. And and this is also connected to the letter Hay. The letter Hay has three lines to it, a roof, a connected leg, and then a disconnected leg. And they, they, they represent, the roof represents the world of Bria. Then you keep on writing and you don't take, pick your pen up and you go and you make a leg and that's the world of Yetzirah. And then you have to pick up your pen and stop. You have to stop writing, pick up your pen and then put it down on the other side and then start to make a new line that's disconnected. If you look at the letter Hay, and that's the world of Asiya. It's a dis- it's disconnected from the other two. And the same thing, the letter Hay, with which the world is created, denotes the world, uh, denotes our thoughts, speech, and deed. What we do in this world. So the roof of the Hay is your thoughts. Then one leg is your speech. You know, if you're writing the Hay, just keep on going, make a roof, and then keep going down. Don't pick up your pen. Then you have speech, denoted by that leg, then pick up your pen, stop, put it down somewhere else, and make another leg, and that's D. And there's a whole lot to say about that. There's Thinking and speaking are kind of connected to each other. Doing is a whole other thing. How do we know? Uh, we all know ourselves and other people that, you know, wait, how many years have you been saying that you're going to become macrobiotic? You never did it yet, right? Or or whatever. 
how many times did I say or think or plan, you know, and I, I even told everybody, oh, I'm going to do this. And somehow I never got around to do it. And, of course, the standard excuse is, oh, I just didn't have time to do it. It's always that. We always blame it on time, right? We're so lucky we can blame it on time. They're disconnected. Thought and speech are pretty much connected to each other. You can think it and you can speak it easily. And sometimes we have to control ourselves and say, well, don't say everything that you're thinking because they flow one into the other. As soon as you think some, you know, one of the syndromes that some people have, a difficult syndrome is as soon as they think something, they can't control their, they can't control their speech. As soon as it's in their mind, it just comes right out. And sometimes it's socially inconvenient. And sometimes it's socially convenient because they're so closely connected. From thinking to speaking, it's just one flow. Doing? Uh, that's a whole other category. So that's where the af is. Af, asisi. Thought, speech, af, dibur. So that's one of the af. Now remember, our year is going to be created from all of this. So let's just picture this space of the af. This af represents a space between the doable and the undoable. The frequency that you could reach and the frequency that you can't reach by yourself. And so there's this big buffer zone. And that is denoted by the word us. And not only that, the word us is means many. Us means us shows on a level the fourth level. We said thought speech D, that's three. Then there's a fourth level, right in the hay. Roof, leg, leg. Three things. Three is here, Asiya. Three. So what's the fourth? The fourth is the word af. So there, there are three different energies. And then there's the af, that buffer zone. You know, there's England, England, France, and, England, France, and Canada, and then af, and then a big ocean, Canada, let's say, right? Here's France. And then England, they're pretty close, they're connected, they're close to each other. Well, let's say Spain and France, two, two places that you just, there's Spain and France, and then, then there's a big ocean, big one, and then you come to Canada. So, what are we talking about here? Spain, France, and Canada. And what about the ocean? Uh, what, the ocean could come along and say, what, am I chopped liver? You know, oh, so what are we talking about here? Spain, France, and Canada. Hello. What about the ocean? Right, right, right. Oh, sorry. Forgot about the ocean. Right. So the fourth thing is, the fourth energy here, thought, speech, deed, and the buffer zone between them. Yatira, Bria, Asiya, and the buffer zone. That's the fourth element. That it comes down. Now, where does that fourth element come down to? And it's a very high element. That buffer zone, I, I would say the very high element, it comes down into the world of Asiya, Aphasisis. And it's a multitude, it's a lot. And it's this, there's a lot there, and this a lot stuff, this big energy is connected to the world of Asiya, where we live, Dafka. And the example in the, in the letter Aleph is the, the disconnected leg of the letter hay um, is disconnected 
from the other parts. And really remember that if you don't put that disconnected leg in the hay, you have a different letter. Leave off, oh, I'm too lazy. I already, I already picked up my pen. Let's just, I don't feel like writing anymore. Okay, walk away. I, I was, I was writing the hay, but when I already, I picked up my pen from the, I picked up my pen from the paper. I don't know. I don't feel like writing anymore. So what are you left with? If you don't put that extra leg that's disconnected, you're left with a dalit. Dalit. Poverty. In order to come to hay, to a, a world where Hashem's name is predominant, you need a certain poverty. We were saying yesterday that, I don't know if we want to say it on the recording, about American history having gone through a tra- transition. America is going to, through a point, to a point of, in God we trust, will, is on the way to becoming not just something written on a dollar bill, although there are people who want to take it off the dollar bill, but in Mashiach times, America will be the place that's shining very openly in God we trust. Right now we're in a transition. For that to happen, that will be a a, 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 a country, a civilization, just at the center of the civilized world, America. In Mashiach times, it will be a civilization fully living the hay. The physical world was created. This world was created in the hay. Hay is Hashem's name. America will become a leader in, in God we trust. Not just written on the dollar, but living that way. In order for it to become a hay, to live the, live the hay, to be the example, the leader of the hay, America, for it to be that, it has to first go through the becoming a Dalit. Dalit is poverty. And sadly, the way it happens, it's a positive and a negative, American history has been erased. The icons of the heroes of American history who really worked very hard were their statues aren't up anymore. They've been taken down. It's a, a I won't say symbolic, an act representative of the fact that in the spiritual world, American history is being emptied out, making room. It's emptied out. It's going back to being a Dalit. You can be a hay as a nation. You can be a hay. You know, this world was created from the letter hay. And you can be a hey that feels your, your sense of self. We did it. We have the power. We have the strength. We're great. That's, that's natural for the world. It's not godly. That's what Napoleon did. When the Altreva kind of stood facing, so to speak, Napoleon. Same story that we're talking about. Yehuda, Yaakov Avinu's representative, facing the ruler of the civilized world. When the Altreva faced, so to speak, did it, had a showdown with Napoleon, who was trying to become the ruler of the civilized world. The Alter Rebbe knew that he had to win because Napoleon would destroy the world by introducing ego 
in a much more profound way than ever was before. The sense that all of this that was created, we did it. There's no God. God forbid. That's taking that this world created through the hay and corrupting it. And this world is very corruptible because, remember, there's a buffer zone between the higher world and this lower world. So the world is very easy to become corrupted because there's no visibility of God. It's Hashem. So when Napoleon wanted to do that, the author had understood that he had to fight this with everything that he had. Otherwise, the world would become so ungodly that it would... That wasn't the purpose of creation. So throughout history, we have repeats of this story that we told, this scenario we told of Yehuda, Yaakov's son, standing in front of the ruler of the civilized world. We have lots and lots of examples of it, it happening. And it's happening again. And the whole point is that the civilized world should come to the point where it's living the hay of Hashem's name. It's expressing that we have no king other than you, Hashem. But the whole world, the whole non-Jewish world was designed to come to that point. Who, who has to teach them that? Yaakov Avinu's represent, Yaakov Avinu's children. Ah, Yehuda, the Altarebbe, Mashiach, us as the representatives of those people. That's what the civilized world was created for. In God we trust. So we see that America being the representative of the civilized world at this point, it, uh, it's unfortunately been emptied out. It went from a hey, like, yeah, we're the civilized world, you know, we exist, the world was created to us, from us, we're the superpower, and it went to a Dalit. It lost its one leg on the other side, went to a place of poverty. The history was wiped out on some level. The history books are still there, but the statues representing, we did it, we're the heroes, they did the best that they could. But now they have the potential to take it much further. To that all of American history sort of needs to be rewritten. Same heroes. Same battles, same victories. But with the undertone of in God we trust. This is not we we Americans, we the Americans won the battle at Gettysburg. But Hashem gave us the slip of winning the battle. Hashem did the battle for us, and we were the emissaries. We were the shluchim. That's where America needs to get to, and it will. And who are the teachers? Yaakov Avinu, you, me, standing in front of the ruler of the civilized world, voting for, this November, (laughs) the ruler of the civilized world and making good voting well. And not only that, influencing everybody in the world every Jew and every non-Jew will have those two, to come to that consciousness. That's what we're here for. So this is what it's all about. This is going to be Tufshin Pei Aleph, Pei Aleph. Now again, Pei Aleph is Af, turned around. So all of that is going to come through. These miracles that are going to happen are with the recognition that we're going to be dealing with a frequency that's so high above us you can't get there on your own. There's a space, the af, 
And there are many other things to up. I think we'll do it in the, the next recording. Um, um, uh, as the author of it says that the whole purpose of all of the world is not for the higher world, but rather it's all here for the lower world, because that's what Hashem wanted. He wanted the transformation of the darkness to light, that the light of Hashem should shine. In the place of darkness in Sitra Akra, of this whole physical world, there should be the advantage of the light that comes from darkness. Why? Hashem wanted it to be, to have a, a dwelling place in this world. This is what Rosh Hashanah was all about. Asking Hashem to be king over this world again. So this idea of the Af, this idea of, of this space, you can't just get there on your own. This has to be felt in the entire world. The Af today is the most important point. You have speeches by, you have speeches by the president, but we heard them, in which he said, this that was accomplished, oh, I think he was doing his campaign speeches, and he said, they say they're going to win because of their skill, their bravado, their this, or that, or their policy, whatever. And we know nobody wins because these days, nobody wins an election because of their smarts, their connections, their this, their policy. Their... Nobody wins it. We win it because of God Almighty. I, I don't know if he said exactly those words, but that kind of concept. Whoever wins, you know, Hashem is going to, it's going to be because of God. God will dis- determine. That he's the one who's going to determine the outcome of the election. I, I think he said something like that. Well, that's good. He's gone to the right. That's the whole point. That Hashem says, I want to be in this physical world. That us is the space between the lofty upper world where it's automatic. They see me. They know me. says Hashem. Up there in the upper world, they see me, they know me, they like me, they want me. Down here in this physical world, mm, not so much. And I want to be down here with you. Well, Hashem, why don't you go and hang out with the guys that like you and want you? Why do you want to hang out over here with people who don't want you? Hashem says, no, this is where I want to be. And specifically the us, the the, the higher world, I created the world of Yitzira. Over there they see me and want me, says Hashem. Yitzartid, over in the world of Yitzira, they see me and want me. Afasisis, and the world of Asiya, well, there's this big interruption. Not so much do they want me. That's where I want to be, with you guys who don't want me. <laughs> okay. Why? That's what I want. Okay. So, and I want you, I want to feel so comfortable here and this to be a place where I'm fully revealed. Can't you just go to the places where they, you're revealed already? No, 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 no. I want to be revealed in the place where I haven't been revealed yet. Oh, that's great. So the off, that buffer plus space, is the place where all the potential is. You know, that's where you have to do all the work. In other words, I'm thinking, um, let's say, uh, they want to build a certain kind of a building in Brooklyn and the building materials, and it's a very, it's a brand new 
type of building, brand new frequency of, of, of edifice. And they don't, they don't have any of those materials or tools or craftsmen to build in Brooklyn to build it. They do have them in Manhattan. So then, hmm, well, why don't we bring them and the stuff, etc., over from Manhattan? Well, we could, but the problem is that the kind of materials, etc., that you need can't get over the bridge. Can't come by boat either. That's going to be an issue. You can't just drive the materials over the bridge. It's material you can't you can't get it over the bridge for whatever reason. Too big, too this, too heavy, too whatever. Putting it on boats is also not going to work. Too heavy for the boats. I don't. Know. How are you going to get it over? So how are you going to get that stuff over to build it in Brooklyn? I don't know. Can't go over the bridge. Tunnel. Tunnel? Wait, there's no tunnel. Wait, between Brooklyn and Manhattan? No, thank God there's no tunnel. <laughs> right. Okay. So we build one. So how are you going to get it over the water from Manhattan to Brooklyn? Well, I guess that's what they're going to spend billions of dollars on over the next few years figuring out how can you fly it over? Well, trust me, if you can't get it over the bridge, too heavy. You can't put it on boats, too heavy. You're not going to be able to fly it over. So how are you going to get that stuff over? We're going to spend billions of dollars and take the best mines in America and devote them for the next two, three, four, five years, however long it takes, figuring out how to get what we need over from Manhattan to Brooklyn so we can build it here in Brooklyn. It's not going to be a simple thing. So then every day, what do we hear on the news? About We hear about, we're basically all focused, the whole United States is focused on the space between Manhattan and Brooklyn and how they're going to spend, how they're going to get over, get with the stuff over that space. They're all spaced on the AF. It said, Barasiv, Yusakif, Af, Asisi, the buffer zone. You have the world of Bria, and then next to it is Yatira, and then, then a buffer zone, and then the world of Asiya. The whole focus is on the buffer zone. That's where all the action is. It's not good action. It's a big problem. We don't know how to get across it. But all day long, we're thinking about it, that buffer zone, that space that we need to get across. So this is the us, this space that we need to get Hashem across from up there in the spiritual world to down here in the physical world. We need to pull him across. And it's such a space that you can't get him across for lots of reasons. Um, I just saw a video last night in which this Israeli fellow was interviewing all these major former um, stars, singing and theater stars and, um, in Israel who became religious, who became from. And he interviewed each one, asking them, what made you become from? What, you know, you were such a secular guy and a big star and at the top and part of the Tel Aviv high society. What made you become from? And each one is telling his story. And then in the end, there's this one rabbi who's sitting with him on a bench and says, and what about you? What about you? Your soul is hungry. 
Just like you need to eat physically, your body needs food, your soul needs food, and if it doesn't get food, it starts to it starts to scream and cry and make noise. You know, so you need to somehow pull it down and pull it from there to there. You need to you need to find a way to feed your soul. That's the mitzvah. And the interviewer said, "I'm not built for this." He said, "You have a point, and I agree with you." I agree with you that probably my soul needs food, but what I would have to do to give my soul food, it would have to be mitzvahs, and I'm not built for this. That's what he said. I'm not built to live a life of mitzvahs, so I can't do it. I have a yearning in my soul, and it wants to connect with the rest of my life, and it wants to connect with God and all of that, but what I would have to do to span that distance, I'm not built for it. I don't have the ability, it's too, it's too much of a challenge, it's too hard for me. I can't do it. It's too much work. I can't do it. That's the us. That's that big, huge distance that we can't seem to span to pull Hashem down here into this physical world the last little bit in an incredibly miraculous way. So when we seem to be facing, when we're facing the Yertushin Pei Aleph, the Pei Aleph, turn it around, is us. We are in, we're up a creek without a paddle. This is the final step, and we can't do it. We don't seem to have the strength. And Rahmanasan, we lost this year to, you know, we lost from the world so many of our leaders and our elders and our wise people. <clears throat> who's left <clears throat> and we have now the hardest job of all of history to pull Hashem through this space that you, you just can't get across the space the ah space, the buffer zone from the highest spiritual world to this lowest world what are we going to do and we'll see in a surprise ending, which we'll see on the next recording, Hazareth turns it around and says, but ah, turn around and say Allah there are going to be these miracles in which it's just going to happen. And the question is, so what we're going to look at in the next recording, a few other ideas of us, um, what it is that we're going to do to stand this distance. So Yehi Ratan, we'll end this recording here, Yehi Ratan, we should find ourselves now that we started Tashin Pei Aleph in the af instead of being afraid of the off, the buffer zone, because it's blocking us from getting what we want, it should become from our worst enemy, which it has been until now, to our best friend, by turning the off to Aleph Pei, to pay Aleph, in this year, we should find ourselves in the Gulamitya Sashlima immediately now. <laughs>